Timothy. You're on mute, you nerd. Jake Fisher, hello. What's going on, man? Nothing much. I am uh, wandering around the American Airlines Center right now, and I think I found a fairly quiet spot to talk some. Uh, talk about a team that plays here. They don't win a ton there. Am I right? Am I right? Hey, well, you know who won today? The U.S. Tough. Men's National Team. I thought you were going to say round of six. Well, we'll see how much winning he does. I think that's uh, that's about to come up a little of, of, a few times as uh, we get into the discussion. But let's go, man. We're playing Netherlands on Saturday. That's the important sport news, sports news of the day. It is. It is. Yes. Uh, I will say I'm not a big soccer fan, but I did watch. And I was struck by how handsome every single man on the Pakistan – not Pakistan. My roommate's Pakistan I was watching with. On the Iranian national team, as Mark Stein tweets out that Campbell Walker is a Maverick officially. Good officially, time. we just got the email. Yes, sir. Um. And I'm debating tweeting another promotion for the show, but we already did that, so let's keep moving. Um, yeah, I mean, quick service level question before we get into that: eight and three at home, one and seven on the road, so they have one more games at home. But the dreadful road record may be getting worse in that eleven of their first. 20 games have been at home, something that someone's pointing out to me is a thing. I mean, it doesn't seem like – not 11 of their first, whatever. They've had, they've had 11 home games and eight road games. Is that a thing at all? That like Now we're in the season – we're at the part of the season where team people are starting to make excuses and add certain particular wonky context to figure out, oh, this is why we're losing. Is that one of those things, or has this team playing more games at home so far – been a thing that you think is actually real? Uh, so they've had this before. A couple seasons ago, they had a stretch where they were not winning home games. And obviously, a lot of people were like, why is this? Is this a trend? It was a, it was a question that kept coming up. It was a theme that people like to talk about. And then they finished the season and they were fine. And, and so I am not inclined to be a big believer that, you know, it, statistically we understand that it's easier for uh, teams to win, that home teams win more often, but it's like a 5% thing. And, and, and to look at this and think that it's something bigger, uh, it just doesn't, it doesn't track for me, you know? And so I think, I think that what's more important is that they're nine and 10 and that they've lost, you know, seven of their last 10 games. I don't think it matters where they're losing those games. It matters that they're losing them and why they're losing them and, you know, what steps they're going, uh, they're taking to fix that and find solutions. And clearly, you know, we've seen today and yesterday that uh, Kimball Walker is the first attempt to write some things that are very clearly wrong with this team, no matter where they're playing. So I saw you wrote something about how Jalen Brunson is not coming to fix this problem. That is to me, the simplest, so it's a, the simplest way to sum up what is playing in Dallas right now. They don't have that third guard that was kind of. I mean, the Mavericks made it to the conference finals largely on having a three-headed ball handling monster, if you will, 
obviously Luca didn't play for a bit of the Utah series, and Brunson Dimity were able to step up. We span it out bigger. I mean, the shooters aren't really connecting. I, mean, I, don't, I don't have the numbers in front of me. I probably should. Let's pull them up. But well, I can, I can take it from here and say that I, I think that the I'm, I'm going to get a little bit nerdy. Is that allowed? I'll yeah. Keep it brief. So I there's, called you a nerd to start this. You did call me a nerd to start this, and you know what? Um, probably deserved. But here's the thing: the the Mavericks. Um, it, it does seem like. Uh, if you just take a superficial look at the team, it does seem like shooting's the issue because right now they have uh, the third and fourth worst catch and shoot shooters and Reggie Bullock and Tim Hardaway Jr. That it just looks awful. You know, every time they line up an open look that comes off of Luca, you know, comes from Luca, it, it, it makes you think, okay, well, they're just missing a bunch of threes. You know, surely this is going to change or it won't. But I think that when you really look at the numbers and the piece that you referenced, it was me kind of digging into the catch and shoot numbers, the wide open three point percentages as compared to last season when their offense was pretty good and was good enough to get them to the conference finals is that we're seeing that the, the attempts are about the same. The percentages are about the same. The thing is last season, Dallas wasn't a great three point shooting team. They were a good three point shooting team, but last season, they had Jalen Brunson to smooth over a lot of flaws in their offense. Uh, Stuff that, you know, if you kind of look at the math, you know, this is not a team that gets offensive rebounds and and it's not a team that gets easy, fast break points. And for so long, Luka Doncic was, you know, so good at generating these really high quality, you know, in the half court offense opportunities and teams are starting to double team him and prevent him from doing anything except, you know, feed his shooters and a good three-point shooting team, uh, that can't be the baseline of your offense. That can't be the, the, the driving force of it. And last season it wasn't because they had the efficiency of Jalen Brunson and his, you know, two-point game, his ability to get to the rim. Uh, that kind of covered up how they're not getting these easy points in, in other places. And now that the, the offense has more and more shifted to relying on three-point, three-pointers uh, from shooters who are not, you know, Golden State or Boston level, uh, the two teams that are taking kind of the same share of three-pointers as compared to two-pointers uh, as the Mavericks, we've seen this offense really struggle. Uh, in the past 10 games, that stretch that they're three and seven, the Mavericks are the 27th best, uh, best offense. And so it's, it's, it's a lot of things going on, um, you know, in terms of the way Luka's being doubled, the way teams are defending him. Uh, but a lot of it just does come down to them not having one more shot creator uh, who can get them quality, decent looks. And, it's really showing over the past 10 games. Uh, and really the season, it hasn't been spectacular. Do you think Kemba is expected to be a dramatic improvement here? Because I'll say this, you and I were on a live audio platform, whether it was here or another app, I don't remember, um, talking about at one point in time in the 2021 off season, I believe, um, that Goran Dragic coming to Dallas was essentially a, a foregone conclusion and that when he was being held in Toronto after the signing trade with Kyle Lowry, that a lot of teams um, weren't very interested in trading for him because they thought even after his deal was up, he would just be heading to Dallas and for agency. Like the, there, was, there was so much attention on that particular transaction coming to a head. And then this summer, when it seemed like the pathway was wide open, to me, my understanding from people I talked to involved in the situation basically outlined it as 
well, Dallas didn't really think Drogic would be capable of like truly adding a punch to this roster and that if he joined them this summer, it would have been more in the Donis Haslam, Andre Iguodala type of role than like someone who's actually being called upon to provide value here. And when Faku Campazo was given that position in October, it kind of seemed to re- reemphasize, reiterate that that spot was kind of, uh, and, and Kemba's being signed the same exact deal that Faku was a one year, non-guaranteed million dollar or, or minimum deal. Um, and kind of like just a, a, a position of, you know, someone familiar with Luca who also is an NBA caliber, at least reserve guard. So to be cutting that spot now to bring on Kemba makes it seem like they probably have recognized that, no, we actually do need a body that can be here. Or, or we, we, we need someone who can be more than a body who can actually contribute and, and uplift our, our basement here. Yeah, yeah. I, I think, um, yeah, to start with, I think it's an admission that they got this offseason wrong. Um, and, and we're even, you know, we're not, it's not worth, uh, we've, we've talked plenty about Brunson. We don't even have to revisit that to say that I think Walker, you know, signing Walker now and signing him, you know, waiving the, you know, the player that was supposed to fill that role is clearly an admission that they did need some, somebody in that role who could be more substantial with than what Composo represented. And yeah, it, it, it seems like Goran Dragic, um, Dragic uh, would have been the, you know, would have made some sense. He's playing pretty well. I mean, he's not, you know, he's not a game changer. It's not like he would reinvent this offense or anything to that degree. Um, it, but, you know, Kimba isn't going to do that either. And uh, so, yeah, I do think it's an admission that they got the offseason wrong. Um, I, I don't think that Kimba Walker is coming in here to play, you know, more than 15 minutes a night uh, on most nights. You know, certainly when Luca and Spencer Dinwiddie are both available. Um, but but they, don't, they don't have that third ball handler. They don't have, you know, somebody, they, they don't have enough bodies that can reliably relieve pressure. Uh, on Doncic when he gets doubled and he has to get the ball out of there. Uh, you saw Toronto over this weekend do a really good job of that. Um, but but it's not just it's not just like a really good job. If you're getting the ball out of Luca's hands, uh, you know it's it's an admission that his teammates, that Luca's teammates and the role players on this team, are don't have the capability to do enough other than shoot spot up looks that they're not quite good enough at hitting at rates that would sustain this offense. Uh, that, that teams are kind of playing a math game against them. And so, yeah, I, I think that Kimba is is potentially somebody who could help that a little bit. Um, but it's a, you know, how many how many moves? How many moves that happen? You know, free agent signings, uh, especially free agent signings of somebody who 29 other teams decided not to sign. Uh, how often do we see that work out and, like, dramatically change the way that a, a team plays? Um, I, I think at best it's going to be a, a micro solution, something that, you know, helps a little bit, but, you know, there's trade-offs and there's throwbacks. The main reason that, uh, you know, Kimba got exiled in New York was that he is not a good defender at this point. And it's not like the Mavericks defense has been so good that they can take this hit. You know, at this point, they're just trying to look for, you know, something that can help a little bit as the American Airlines sitter is being very loud behind me. Hopefully that's not leaking in too much here, but yeah. It's leaking in a bit. It sounds like a, sounds like an opera singer warming up for the, the national anthem. Ooh, well, we shall see if that's uh, that ends up being the case. Um, but yeah, 
we'll we'll also see what ends up being the case for Kimba in, in his role. And I think at best they're looking for a marginal improvement. Um uh for somebody who is, you know, Kimpazo was something like the thirteenth man on the roster. And so they're looking for a marginal improvement uh at that roster spot. And to expect anything other than, you know, uh you know, a slight help to an issue that's been plaguing them, I think is unrealistic. Um, you know, but we'll see. Um, there another obvious move that you see on the horizon for the team to address now, like, I, I mean, this was clearly, it, it, it was something I probably should have written in my notebook last week. And now I'm kicking myself that the kind of thing came to fruition so fast because Dallas needing and wanting and looking for extra point, extra, you know, ball handling, creative, uh, responsibility, uh, point guard type play was something that was definitely out there in, in the, the whispers, if you will. What's kind of the next thing that you think this team will look at at tweaking here? I mean, I think that the obvious place to start is internal. It's it's the idea that, you know, they haven't given a ton of minutes to Christian Wood comparatively to how effective he's been and, and that they have prioritized uh, continuing to give minutes to Reggie Bullock and Tim Hardaway Jr. Um, you know, even Josh Green, somebody who has been getting more minutes lately, has been more effective with them. And so... I think that's where you have to start. I think, you know, it, it seems very clear to me uh, from everything I understand that the Mavericks are very hesitant to make any sort of deal that would concede a first-round pick. And I think that makes sense for where they are in the real rebuilding process. In a lot of ways, this is a team uh, that understands this is going to be a transition year, that, um, you know, that they, they don't have the, uh, the picks, the resources, the ability at this moment to make a big swing for, you know, the second star that they want to put next to Luca, And uh, I think that, you know, the Mavericks are probably right that, you know, Christian Wood isn't going to be that player, but can he help him this season? Like, why else do they give up a, a first-round pick, albeit a late one, uh, to go get him if, if they aren't going to, you know, give him minutes, even with defensive shortcomings, even with, um, you know, other issues that, that might be going on? And, and, you know, I think right now we're still – you know, I think the big question around the team is, is, is there, you know, really something boiling underneath? Um, and I, I don't, I don't have a good answer for that yet. Um, but, but yeah, I, I think that, you know, if this team were to make a move later this season, it would be something that does not involve first round picks and probably looks more like roster shuffling than, you know, something more akin to a, a, a bigger swing or a more notable swing. The Christian Wood part of the equation is, it's 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 probably pretty critical, um, and he's not playing a ton, right? I know. I'm I'm sure you got the same text I did today that the average minutes played, the top five minutes getters for each of Dallas so far, that in games that Christian Wood has played. Think about these niche statistics here: thirty-two point three, and Christian's only played more than 32.3 minutes once this season. Um, so clearly he's not in the top tier of minute getters while he is pretty inarguably their second best offensive player at this point. He is – so I was in Dallas, I guess it was last weekend, two weekends ago, the weekend before Thanksgiving. And you and I saw each other, and uh, I saw two games against Denver – where I was originally expecting to go and watch 
the full, you know, a full fledged Western Conference t- uh, championship contender in the Nuggets uh, versus a, a Western Conference finals team from last year. And instead, uh, all of Jokic, Murray, and Gordon were out for Denver. So Dallas took care of, of the Nuggets on Friday, that first game. But on Sunday, they lost to a, a pretty, you know, depleted Nuggets side. And, um, you know, you're looking in the, in those, in those minutes w- where clearly the talent level on the court is not as high as Denver could and would have liked to put out there. And I didn't see Christian Wood uh, able to just like uphold the second unit by himself. And I think he has clearly added an interesting element playing in the pick and roll with Luca, where he's got a, a pop guy now who can actually do a little something with it when he gets it. Like Maxi Kleba isn't head faking and getting to the rim. You know what I'm saying? But when the ball swung to Wood in the corner or so, he didn't have enough wiggle, this being Christian Wood, to like take guys off the dribble with a defender squared up against him or, you know, really attack a closeout. It seemed like most of his creation ability comes off of the catch in pick and pop or pick and roll situations. Um, and if that's the case, then like he probably should be getting more time next to Luca with starting lineups and what have you, as opposed to trying to be like the main function of the bench unit with Spencer Dinwiddie. To me, I think that would be something that makes sense to look at, but also you would think also when Luke is on the floor in a staggering type of scenario, like you would want Dinwiddie and, and Wood out there together. So it, it's kind of difficult because there is only one Christian Wood, and he can't play 48 minutes, but he certainly shouldn't be playing. I'm, I'm, I'm looking right now at the number. He certainly shouldn't be playing 25 and a half if this team wants to really – be playing at a higher level to me that's, that's pretty obvious i don't know I mean, there might be some people who are uh, around him let's say who uh do do believe he should be playing 48 minutes maybe more than that but no no i'm i'm you know i'm being facetious like here's the thing here's the thing the mavericks gave up a first round pick to get him right and unless they truly gave up that first round pick really just to clear salary and christian wood was just coming back like once jalen brunson left and they you know made their one you know, they had one tool to go sign a free agent, you know, the, the taxpayers mid-level, and they spin it on JaVale McGee. And JaVale McGee is barely in the rotation at this point. And so yeah. they're, if, if, you know, outside of Christian Wood, this is the exact same team that it was last season without their second best player. And so it, you don't have to be a Christian Wood believer. You don't have to think that he's going to be a fundamental part of, you know, this roster if they ever make a finals run to believe that this season he has to play and has to play more than he has. And yeah, sure. There may be some, you know, things that are irksome to the coaching staff that he does. And it's been clear that, you know, defensively he's still you know, adjusting to the schemes or, you know, maybe he's not adjusting. Maybe he's adjusted as much as he can. And this is just who he is. But it's very clear that the Mavericks otherwise, you know, unless they really find a way to use him positively, that, you know, he's just going to be, you know, that this team is going to be the same. Like there's really no other uh, reasonable path forward for this team uh, without 
finding a way to unlock him or unleash him to the extent that they can. And, you know, frankly, it's, it's, it's even bad, you know, asset management, uh, if, if you will. If you're going to give a first round pickup to get a player like this, uh, who's on the last year of his deal, um, you know, at most, they need to be able to use him this season to, you know, be competent and be effective and, and at least make this season, uh, this is maybe a little strong, but make the season not miserable. I don't think the last 10 games have been enjoyable. Uh, you know, certainly for mass fandom, it hasn't been. Uh, it, it, you know, the mass fandom is in, a, is in a dark place compared to almost any other time that I've, you know, any other stretch that I've seen them in. But I don't think the players are enjoying themselves right now. It doesn't look like Luca's having fun out there. And even if this is a transitionary season, even if uh, there isn't any realistic idea that this team is going to be a finals contender this year, and they're not, uh, you know, this still has to be a season that Luca can go win his MVP. And with the way the team is playing right now and with uh, the limitations of his role players around him and, and the way that opponents have recognized they can just scheme him, you know, not scheme him out of games, but make things really tough. And, uh, you know, it, it doesn't make sense to me, or, or the only thing that does make sense is to use Christian Wood as much as you can, uh, you know, as, as much as he helps you. And it doesn't feel like they're using him to the extent that he would be helpful to them. Um, with this roster, with the, with the other role players, you know, with all of those factors, it doesn't seem like they're maximizing what they can get out of him, even if it's just a one-year rental, uh, as it turns out. Are you saying that signing a soon-to-be 35-year-old JaVale McGee to a three-year deal this summer was uh, potentially a mistake? It uh, sure hasn't worked out. Let's, uh, I, think, I think it's safe to say that. You know, this team is, is still not blocking shots. You know, they, they still, you know, giving up. You know, they, 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 they do a good job with their scheme, even this season, preventing teams from getting the highest quality looks in terms of you know, they, they force teams to take more mid-range shots and they, they look, you know, they run teams off the three-point line, but they have no real, uh, you know, uh, d- defense at the rim. You know, their, their rim defense, as much as they went into the offseason talking about how they wanted to improve in that way, they also talked about rebounding, which is not, you know, was not a huge issue last season. You know, still isn't a huge issue this season, if you ask me. Um, you know, but they, they haven't added any bite defensively at the, at the rim and he hasn't provided that. And, you know, they're already back to using Dwight Powell in the starting lineup. And if you're going to bring Christian Wood off the bench, it makes sense when you're trying, you know, it at least like there's at least logic behind it when it's, you know, when Chabelle McGee starting in front of him. Um, but they went into this offseason saying, we need to improve at the center position. And then they went back to the player who they stated they needed to improve from. And they're leaving the one effective big man they've added this summer. Uh, on the on the bench, and you know, at times still a limited role. He, you know, just a couple games ago, he got I want to say twenty three or twenty four minutes. And so, I it's just we're just talking logic here. We're just talking logic about how to approach this logically, and it doesn't feel like they've uh, done that at all times thus far this year. Max Kleba was out that weekend. Is this his return for, uh, over this weekend? Does that start to maybe help shift things back? I mean. He clearly was yeah. their most important defensive player. I, th- I, I would say, for my maybe yeah. not clearly, but to me, he was their most important defensive player in, in the playoffs last year. Yeah, I mean, yeah, it definitely helps, but he's he's missed. Um, he hasn't missed most of the season, and you know, he's he's missed the last I want to say three games, maybe four games, and 
uh, might have missed another one or two, but you know he's been out there most of the season, and, and these same things have been happening. Absolutely, he helps, and you know I, I do think he's the most important big man on the team in terms of you know executing Luca's vision. But no, I mean it's it's not that that can't you know Maxi Kluber obviously cannot be the reason for the Mavericks winning three. That's not what I'm saying. Come on. I know, I know, I know. I'm just saying, like, yeah, he helps, but. You know, the, the, the problems that we're seeing are more deep-rooted than, you know, one role player missing time here or another role player missing time there, you know? Yeah, for sure, for sure. Um, last thing, Mavericks-related. Uh, I, I mean, I've been very struck by Lucas' post-game. To me, it just seemed like something that he just decided to try in the playoffs, and it worked. And now he just brings it out night after night after night. When I sat down with Faku Composo, I was never not expecting him to get cut at the time. I thought I'd do a nice little fun story about when Faku met Luca and Real Madrid, and then things change and we adapt. But he told me Luca didn't have really like he, he had the instincts, but like he didn't get put in positions with uh, Madrid to play down low, even though he did have the height and the skill at the time. Um, and that clearly, and he was saying that that post game is clearly the an, an obvious indicator of the type of work that he's putting in to always be evolving his game. Um, what's been your kind of up close and and uh, personal, uh, I don't know, response evaluation of, of how often he's he's going to that? Uh, I don't know. I don't, don't want to say move, but going go to that attack nowadays because when. when we think of Luca conceptually and stylistically. I think that you know the the comparisons to James Harden running high pick and roll after high pick and roll after high pick and roll are pretty, um, you know, beaten to the ground at this point. Um, and when you talk to people around the league, you know, in terms of you know the Kemba move or whatever, things are coming down the pipeline with Dallas. A lot of it, people talk about that. You know, there's going to have to be some type of concerted effort to take. The, the the workload off of Luca's shoulders, but to me, he's not just running, you know, full steam ahead into high screen action every single play. He moves at his own pace. He moves like an old man playing pickup at the Y. Honestly, the way he kind of throws his, his body around down there, it, it, is this sustainable to you for him to be having this high usage rate, using his frame to get buckets like he's doing after, after a, a nightly basis? You know, what's been interesting is that Luca has indicated it's it's a little bit easier for him to post up than to... It sure seems like it. Right, right. So I, I think there's a, a few things going on here. And I think his usage rate remains a, you know, a, a notable talking point. Although it's it's fallen. It's it's not it's no longer like, uh, you know, third highest of all time. It's, it's fallen a bit. But as teams, you know, they're not playing traditional pick and roll coverages against him. That's often. And so... You know, it depends on the team, but some of them are, you know, just switching everything and also being careful when and how they send help. And so that means that a lot of the times he has, you know, smaller guards on him. And, and it's kind of, you know, Luca's the type of player that he knows the right thing to do in every situation. And teams are, because teams keep putting these smaller guards on him a lot of the times, the right thing to do is post it up. If, if teams were going to play him differently, I think we'd see him in the post less. Like, like clearly there is a concerted effort and the Mavericks run specific actions to try to get him in the post. 
But a, a lot of this is just dictated by what teams are giving him. And so I, I think he's more than happy to accept this, uh, you know, when you, you know, especially, you know, if he feels like the wear and tear is less. Uh, of course, he's, he's like, yeah, by all means, like he's, he's accepting that uh, gladly. But some of it has been the way teams have played him. And, and some of it is just that, you know, there's, there's nothing you can really do to take him out of the game. Um, you know, outside of, you know, these, these aggressive doubles and, and, you know, even then, you know, like he's able to get to his spots and his shots. It's about taking away what he's best at. And, you know, I, I think he literally is the best pick and roll guard in the league. Like he, especially against, you know, a drop coverage or, a, you know, more traditional coverages, ice, you know, icing, stuff like that. Like he can find the role man maybe better than anybody else in the league. I, I really do believe that. And teams have determined that, you know, instead of giving up lob dunks, they're going to give, you know, give up, you know, Luca post moves. And he's that good at it that he's averaging something like 34 points and having a, a legitimate MVP season. But it's just a little bit harder that way. And I think the offense overall has, has suffered. It's, it's no fault of his own. He's, he's taking what defenses are giving him. Um, but but it's it's hurt the team's overall efficiency and, and that's where we see some of these struggles and you know to loop it to circle it all the way back to where we started that's where Campbell Walker might help a little bit as somebody who you know isn't just going to catch uh, you know on the weak side and take threes although his catch and shoot numbers have been good uh, throughout his career like going back like six seasons but it, you know Campbell Walker might be someone who can get all the way to the rim against a unbalanced defense and you know create the you know the you know even if he's not finishing once he's there he can create the uh you know the you know the the pass 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 uh you know ball movement that dallas did have so you know was so effective at last season as they made their conference finals run um we have not gotten any questions from the audience so at this point i will turn it over to you always do you sir have any questions for me it's only fair i asked you a bunch um let's see uh are you going to be at the jalen brunson bowl the uh the mavericks next game this saturday i will not be i will not be nah, that's that's a that's a real bummer you're missing a chance to uh see jalen brunson but also me so i've got some personal things on the calendar for saturday that um, unfortunately, I won't. I cannot move around. So, no, that's uh, a lot. At the game, lot. I'll be at Wizards Nets tomorrow. Um, gonna see some former Maverick Kristaps Porzingis up close and personal. How about that? That's uh, that's also an important thing to do. Well, you know, let me let me ask you the the one question. Like, is is your sense? You know, I talked about earlier how the Mavericks. I would, you know, the sense around the team is that they know that this season isn't the one to go for it, that they really can't, that making a move that makes them a little bit better this season, you know, isn't going to make them title contenders. And so the right move is to save picks, um, you know, preserve the roster and just do what they can with the roster that they have. And as much as, you know, we can point to mistakes they may have made with it, it does seem in a lot of ways like they're stuck with this roster um, and that it's probably the right move. And so is, is that, is that also your sense or, you know, like what, what is the, what is the talk about the Mavericks? 
Yeah, I think the one thing I would just slightly disagree with, and I, I don't think this is exactly what you're saying. I don't think they're punting the season, right? Like they don't to, to, to your one of your points you made earlier. Like they don't make the trade for Wood. What was it? The twenty sixth pick, I, I believe, is what they moved all that salary to get him. Like, yes. I, I think clearly when you have a player like Luca, and you've made the Western Conference Finals. The time is now. Not necessarily in that, like, you're pushing all your chips into the table, but you're not looking at any year as a gap year, any year of, like, lower expectations. Is Dallas, they have delusions of grandeur that they are, you know, the odds-on favorite to win the West, so they got to be doing what they can to, to upgrade? No. But I think they clearly want to uphold uh, a postseason winning environment, you know, potentially hosting playoff games, Luca being in the MVP conversation, all that type of stuff. Um, but, yes, I, I do think the greater picture is, is also how do we make moves and continue to stack our deck for when the opportunity presents itself to pair Luca with that, you know, marquee guy. I mean, this, this was a team not very long ago before everything became all happy and lucky with Milwaukee where when Giannis was staring at his Supermax extension, Dallas was right at the front of the line of teams that really thought, had an educated sense, let's say, that they were at the front of the line to potentially steal him. So that, that's the game Dallas wants to be in at some point. So I do agree with you in that they don't really think they're in that stage right now where they're there and they're making a Drew Holiday trade, for example, to add to to Luca already and, and and having a second banana like Chris Middleton. They don't maybe they would have if they had Jalen Brunson still. Maybe they would have if Christoph Brazingas had worked out. Um but I think the KP trade is a similar thing. Like you split that bigger deal into two lesser salaries where I think Spencer Dinwiddie has exceeded the expectations Mavericks people had for him while Bertans has probably performed below the expectations that they were hoping he would. But they're, they're making those reshuffling-type moves, to, to use a word that you had used earlier, to try to keep this team's ceiling at least, um, at least uh, congruent with where it should be with the fact that Luka Doncic is so good and is in Dallas, and they don't want to waste any year of his. I, I just think, yes, to your point. They don't think they're the obvious favorite or really like a bonafide runaway title contender, but they're not thinking that they should be right there. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. What I'll, what I'll say to, to kind of close out this this topic and probably this chat is that, you know, I I don't know if Kimba Walker is even going to be on the team in a couple months. Like if, if, there's, if there's another peripheral move that they can make, um, you know, that doesn't involve picks but does involve um, – you know, just just re- reshuffling of the roster. It, it involves a you know a veteran that can be swapped for another veteran. Certainly, we're all very aware that there are potentially some veteran guards on rosters that you know may decide at some point to to really get serious about trying to you know get as high of a draft position as they can. Um, I, I don't I don't think there's any guarantee that you know they won't uh, proceed to sacrifice Kimba Walker in, in the same way that they. You know, moved on from Campazzo. The the idea is is finding a stopgap solution, and the idea is seeing if Christian Wood is a stopgap solution or if he's something more than that. Certainly, things are not trending in any sort of way that you'd expect him to be on the team next season. But uh, 
you know, I, I think that's their that's their two questions. Can they find a stopgap for this offense with some sort of veteran guard who can get them get their offense looking more like it did last season? And uh, can they ride out this year and uh, you know at least set it up so that Luka Doncic could you know conceivably have his MVP season? And you know I don't think that's a silly thing. Uh, you know if, if if this is a transition year and if if the aspirations are clearly beneath title contention then yeah, you know, like getting an MVP for Luca here is probably something that helps you resign him in a few years. But, you know, you, you can certainly see the, you know, scenario where that would help, uh, you know, just uh, cement him and his career as a as a Maverick. And so I think, you know, it, it's, as much as individual awards don't really mean anything, I mean, the MVP does matter. Um, you know, as, as silly as it sounds that, you know, like that should be the goal of the season. Um, you know, just setting him up so that he can, you know, be recognized for how good he is and making it, you know, not a slog for him every single game, um, I, I think is the basically what the team has to focus on in, in the in the coming weeks and, and months. And, you know, their ability to do that and, and kind of pull out of this hole. I, I, I think that I'm fairly optimistic that uh, this team will, you know, it's not as, clearly not as bad as they've been in the past 10 games, but you know, I, I think there should be some measured optimism that they can, you know, write themselves and, you know, push for a, you know, like the six seed, something like that, you know, get out of the play in tournament. But, uh, but yeah, I, I think that's, that's where the full focus of the team has to be in the, in the, as we go forward. There you go. All right. Anything you want to plug? Uh, just, you know, uh, my podcast, I'll say my podcast, you know, seven, seven minutes We're releasing two episodes a week. It's, uh, it's been kind of fun to, to do that consistently and, I, I think that we do a good rundown and breakdown of where the vibes are each week and then, you know, bring in various guests and other people to, to get a little bit deeper into things. So uh, that's the one I'd shout out. And then you can find me on Twitter and The Athletic and all that stuff. All right. I got a story coming tomorrow at Yahoo. Should have another show coming up. Got to figure out a guest. But thanks, for everyone, for tuning in. Go USA in the round of 16, right? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. And uh, enjoy the NBA basketball. Take care, everybody.